I am Sergio Brodsky, and I'm a brand and foresight strategist. And I'm Jazz Giuliani, the editor of Marketing Mag. Welcome to Futurecast, the podcast where we talk with professional futurists, renowned academics, and high-profile business leaders from around the world. In this series, we think about the future so that we can meaningfully change the present. The time is now. Join us for better futures. Welcome back to Futurecast. Today, we are with Norika Ganyao. So we're so lucky to have you with us here, and you are the General Manager of Strategy at Powerlink in Queensland. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Powerlink delivers electricity to almost 4 million Queenslanders. Maybe to start us off and just to get get a better sense of, you know, what you do over there, you could tell us a little bit more about Powerlink as an organisation and what you do in terms of strategy. So Powerlink is the transmission network service provider in Queensland. Historically, we used to connect to the big power stations and we have the big high voltage lines that then brings the electricity through to the load centres where it then connects to retailers and gets distributed through cities and and through the communities. Uh, That that dynamic is all changing now with all the changes happening in the power industry, but I, I probably won't go into that right this very minute. Uh, which makes, by the way, my job as head of strategy really, really interesting. So my role is, the, like you mentioned, general manager strategy. And what that entails is really looking further into the future, trying to understand um, the different futures and the different sort of scenarios that might might happen into the future, um, depending on how different uncertainties in the world might go. And then thinking about what our transmission network, if indeed there still is one, um, would look like into the future, what customers and communities would look like into the future, and how we could help them supply those electricity needs of the future. My role has basically two bits to it. Um, one is one is looking really at the networks so of the more technical side of it, and the other one is looking at the corporate strategy, uh, but also being very focused on business resilience and on customer and the role that customer plays and and the importance of customer to us. Like yourself, I am also a strategist, albeit a a slightly different type of strategist. But uh, when uh, I read in the article that we we co-wrote, Article 3 of Futurecast, there there was something that you said that really caught my attention and I found it really interesting. I'm going to read the the exact words that you've put there. You said that for the kind of changes we're experiencing, the usual strategic planning does not cut it. We need something to help us imagine what could be in an unconstrained way while providing enough structure to create a clear yet adaptive way forward. So what has led you to the conclusion that the, that usual strategic planning would not work for you or PowerLink or the challenge that you're having in front of you? Why did you have to choose something slightly different? Thanks, Sergio. I think our industry has historically been very stable. Um, electricity has always been a very inelastic product. You always had to source your electricity from the grid. Um, you, the people in the industry have always been very um, purposeful, very passionate, wanting to make a difference in society and wanting to contribute to society. Um, but the industry was very stable for a very long period of time. Um, in the last while, we've seen a few things uh, shift that. So we've had decarbonization, as you would know, um, with all the renewables coming onto the grid and, and rooftop um, solar and that kind of thing on people's houses. So that's really made a big difference in terms of the 
dynamics of the system and in terms of um, just the technical challenges that we're facing. Uh, with that, when I, as I mentioned, the rooftop power, we've seen decentralization happening. So while historically all the power was, like I mentioned before, it was like a relay race. It was the generators generated the power. They handed us the baton. We as transmission took it up. We handed it over to the retailers. They took it. They handed it over to the true communities. It is really changing into something that's more like a synchronized swimming. So that's quite a significant change for an industry to do. And I think that's happening in a lot of industries, by the way, just because of things like connectivity, etc. So because there are so many uncertainties and changes that you really can't predict anymore, and because the people in the industry um, aren't used to a fast-paced, fast-changing industry, like, for instance, the computer industry, we needed something that would really help us think outside the box, really leave leave our our thinking and the, the things that have been our truth for the past how many years, leave it behind and, and be able to imagine what it could look like and sort of look past the challenges that we're facing and look into how that how we can create new and better futures for for communities overall out of that. I think with that in mind, it was really important to me that we do something that speaks to people almost at a subconscious level, at the soul level, to tap into that passion that people have for the industry and for wanting to create the greater good in the world overall. And then also have enough structure to take that imaginings and bring it back to, so what do we actually do about it? Well, that's that's really interesting because I think just a couple of weeks ago, we spoke with Mark Johnson, who's one of the founding partners of InnoSight, the innovation firm, which was founded as well with Clayton Christensen that you may have heard about and even read his books and many articles about disruptive innovation. And this, is, this, this was one of the things that Mark actually said, that a lot of the time we are trying to create strategies to, to, to that will unfold into the future, but from the present. And basically what you're saying is forget about it. Let's scrap all of that away and think about the future first, bring our passions, bring our soul, create a vision of the future and then build it from, 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 from the present forward. So that's, that's a really interesting way of uh, uh, implementing uh, your strategy as well. That's right, yes. And in doing that, what you also do is you create that strategic flexibility so that you don't just set such a rigid plan in place that you have to follow step by step. And if something else changes in the environment, you have to rethink your whole plan. It allows you to set a plan in place that sort of almost allows you to tango into the future. And so I'm really curious how you actually came into or across the discipline of futures thinking and strategic foresight. I went to Melbourne Business School to do sort of a two-week stint, or was it a week, in strategic leadership. And one of the components of that course was futures thinking and it had some of the intent from Prof. Sohail Iniatula um, and also his TED Talk on causal layer analysis. And as I watched the TED Talk, just the level as, at which that connects to people and, and the ability to connect to a diverse room full of people and get the ideas across, uh, that really spoke to me. And I, I sort of immediately went, well, this is the thing that we need. 
So what made you think and feel like that? I mean, a, te- a TED Talk can be quite compelling. And <laughs> I've watched many TED Talks, but uh, would I hire someone based on that? I, I mean, that, that would make me think about it. That would make me consider, uh, especially, you know, if, uh, if you have, you know, such a huge project in hands, which is transforming a whole energy company. Did, did you even consider management consultants or even design thinkers? You know, if you're, since you're talking about alternative approaches, have you considered other types of disciplines and practitioners or having someone with expertise in foresight and futures thinking was always in the bullseye for you and why? I think we investigated a few options. So we did speak to a few of the bigger management consulting firms. We also spoke to Sahail. I think our approach, there was a few things in our approach. One was that we really wanted something that would create that deep change, something that would talk to people at a level that that they'd actually shift and create the change because they can see it so clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was that we, I believe very strongly in diversity of thought and in bringing different ideas and different thoughts together to create an overall better outcome. So I think the other thing that we've tried to do is to bring a number of different players to the table. So we also have a strategy consultant helping us, somebody that's got a lot of experience with with strategy um, and that combined with the work with with professor hale's work um, together with also our internal team so we were very keen for the internal team to actually learn and grow and and be a part of this so that we can we can truly own the strategy as we move forward so i think it was it was more of a we felt that something that was a bit more tailored but that really spoke to many people in the organization would be the better way to go. Does that answer the question? Absolutely, it does answer. You you built a very compelling business case, and we should we should share it with Professor Soheil so he can sell more <laughs> of his engagements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very true. And I love what you actually just said about diversity of thought and trying to bring in different different thinkers and different people that can shake up an industry a little bit and also just offer a different perspective. And so now that PowerLink is more futures literate, have you noticed any changes, you know, um, positive changes, negative changes within the business from these these new learnings? And what were the highlights of adopting some of the foresight frameworks, do you think? The whole strategy team actually worked with Prof Suhail and we got ourselves to be a little bit more futures literate. Uh, We Mm. did find, though, that we didn't necessarily, not everybody is that passionate about understanding the tools and techniques as what we might be. And with the rest of the organization, it probably works better to just guide their thinking and, and guide the process through using these tools and techniques rather than getting them specifically futures literate. But certainly what we have seen is we've seen that we've created a compelling preferred future and a compelling way forward that we've been able to communicate and we've been able to to capture the thoughts specifically at the leadership level, although we have also run a few workshops um, with a broader subset of employees. To me, the strongest part of this is the, the use of metaphor. And certainly we did, we ran a workshop um, just with the strategy team and then we ran a workshop with the senior leadership team and then we ran another workshop with the board. And the metaphors that came out of those workshops 
while they were different, they were all very similar. And you could see that the shift from the old world to the new world, each of the metaphors spoke to the same kind of change that we were after. So communicating that that change that we're after and understanding that while we might express it in different ways, we are actually talking about the same thing and about the same role change, about the same aspiration, even though we might express it in different ways. I think that was probably, to me, the um, most powerful thing that came out of this. Content Brains specialises in content creation across a diverse range of topics for many industry sectors. If you need help with content development for your blogs, thought leadership, white papers, video, podcasts or special projects, talk to the team at Content Brains. You'll find links in our episode notes. And metaphors is not something that is usually used on, you know, more traditional strategic approaches. And uh, using metaphors on any foresight type of uh, project is something that truly makes it unique. But on the other hand, for for someone who's selling that project to a company, uh, it may come across as being a little bit esoteric. Uh, how did you actually manage to convince people internally that you would be working with metaphors? This is this is quite unusual, and I think it will be very interesting for you to share how you got buy-in from uh, your leadership team, from others across PowerLink as well, to say that we're doing strategy, we're doing futures, but we're also in, trying to investigate what our metaphor to the future is going to be. So I think that's probably where the, the causal layer analysis itself spoke so much to me because one of the layers is the metaphor layer, but there are three other layers. And those three other layers create a sense of structure so that you can actually show that this isn't just about a dream world. This isn't just about, you know, imagining and and wishing. This is actually about creating a future. So taking it down from really understanding where you've come from on the left-hand side of the causal layer, uh, layered analysis through the litany, through the systems, through the worldview, mm-hmm. down to the metaphor, then using that connection to your subconscious and, and sort of the part of your brain that can really think through very, very complex things mm-hmm. to shift to what you'd like to become in the future and then building it back up through those layers creates a, a very good structure to show that it is something that will res- deliver outcomes and results. It's not just a dream and a wish. Uh, and speaking of energy, actually, you mentioned something quite interesting at the very beginning of this conversation about how much the lines are, are blurring and how much the energy industry and markets are being challenged and also changing, transforming to a, to a huge degree. Uh, a couple of months ago, uh, AGL was uh, already announcing that it's entering the telco space with the acquisition of uh, Southern Phones. And just this week, uh, actually yesterday, Telstra announced that it's entering the energy space as well. So the lines are definitely blurring. And uh, when we when we take a few steps back and look at the moment that we're living right now, which many have already coined as being the fourth industrial revolution, what we see is that there are some innovations in energy, communications, and transportation combining, transportation being mobility and logistics. What is interesting to note about these three types of innovations is that all of the great economic paradigm shifts, they happened when these three things collided and combined. When uh, 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 and, and that was the, the case with all, you know, all first three industrial revolutions and what's happening right now. 
taking that into consideration, how do you see your role changing with that? And uh, since you engaged with Professor Soheyo, has it actually changed in any way? The other reason that I love the Futures work is because it, it really applies to you at a personal level as well. And so through, through using future studies um, at work, I've been able to benefit from that thinking in my own personal life as well. And I think where that's taken me is that I, I believe that my role into the future, and I don't know how far into the future it is, but I would really like to play a role where it is about bringing all those futures together and making sure that it's not just a change in one industry or the other. Or, you know, if you look at the, the um, World Sustainability Goals, then there's, there's a number of goals, but it's actually about how all of those goals work together to create the new world of the future. Um, and it needs to be better overall, not better in one, but not in the others. And they are all very interrelated and very integrated. So I think um, what I'm very excited about is to be able to help shape and create the future by working with a number of industries so that we're all pulling towards a better future together. And on a personal level, I actually am really curious because you wrote this beautiful line in the article and it says, as a creative human, I understand the need to connect to your purpose and your soul and being part of creating a better future rather than just responding to the environment. And what I really liked about this line was the idea of looking to the future um, and rather than being reactionary, being purpose-driven, I suppose. And can you expand on your view of the future and how this has been inherently shaped by your nature as a creative person? Because I think that we don't talk enough, you know, we, we, we talk about strategy, we talk about business, but I think that, you know, foresight and considering the future is also a personal experience as well. And maybe, you know, how you are as a person opens you to these kinds of ideas or conversations. As we move to the future, the kind of skills that we'll be needing as as leaders will will draw more and more on us as humans rather than just on, on our technical skills. And I think that's where this connects is, is that this kind of methodology allows us to connect those two things so that you need to think with your whole self. You 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 shouldn't be compartmentalizing. Like, for instance, if I just think about things in technical engineering terms, then I get one bit of the answer. But if I don't think about the societal change that goes with that or how humans might behave, and, and the only reason we create, we want to create a better future is because humans are going to be in that future. It wouldn't make much sense if you did it mm. any other way. So thinking about that overall picture of of the full person, I think that that's the way we'd need to go moving forward because there, there is no more individual technical individual technical skills, but it's about how they all work together to really solve some very complex issues and challenges, set the world up for, for success. I think that being said though, one of the, the other reasons that Future Studies appeals to me so much is that um, I think I've mentioned already that to me it's really important that each individual can contribute and each individual can contribute to their full extent. And so it, it shouldn't matter if you're a creative person or a more technical, more analytical person or a, 
a positive person or a negative person, all those views should be heard. And these techniques actually help you to bring all of that to the table and then in a structured way make sense of it and create a future that takes all of that into account. Because if you only take the creative or only take the positive, you're not seeing the full picture either. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, and you, you use some very personal and emotive words to describe the whole experience, you know, coming with your own soul, bringing your passion, uh, stretching our imaginations. And uh, once again, you know, putting myself in, 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 in Soheil's place, for instance, how different was the actual experience of working through the foresight frameworks and, and exercises as opposed to, you know, the more traditional type of strategic planning? How did people feel in the room? Uh, did they feel awkward? Did they feel uh, challenged? Did they feel at ease? Uh, usually, I mean, we're talking about metaphors, we're talking about narratives. These are not usual things in the in the business sense. And in business nowadays, there is plenty of cynicism. So uh, how, how, how receptive were people to those frameworks and exercises that the process brings to the table? I think it's probably worth uh, mentioning that uh, we, we've got a new chief executive or a reasonably new chief executive. And I was, I was very um, grateful that when I suggested to him different ways that we could do this, and I tested it with him, his response was, you need to back yourself, you the head of strategy, you decide what's best mm. and, and go for it. We had some good support from um, from my immediate um, leader, supervisor as well. So Kev is always, um, he, he's very broad-minded. I had some very good support from from actually the leader of our uh, our PNC area where she, you know, we were talking through, do we think that a very technical, very analytical business, uh, people sometimes a bit skeptical because they, they've got such good um, anal analytical talents. Mm -hmm. um, do we think that something like this would land with these people? And she actually said, hey, we need to trust our people. You know, they they will love this. They will They will really enjoy doing this and that was the experience so wow. uh, while we were a bit skeptical and a bit scared of doing it the fact that the CE sort of went if you think it's the right thing to do let's go with it the fact that we had some good support when when we ran the workshop with the broader senior leadership team I think I had feedback from them uh, a few people saying this was fantastic it was really really great to think this far into the future to really think strategically having that freedom to to, to think freely and not be constrained by by what is our day-to-day -day and very much in the world we live in, there's a very much the laws of nature kind of thing that we need to take into account, which doesn't change. But, but sort of putting that to the side and being able to have this experience, I think people found it very enlightening. And that's the kind of feedback I have to say, though, that uh, obviously uh, you've worked with Prof Suhail as well. He's, um, he's very good at what he does. Yes, he is the best at what he at what he does, and it's a, it's an honor to work with him. Absolutely. And it's very it's very pleasing to hear that the approach might even be embedded in the organization now. That yes. considering that people loved it so much. Mm. Yeah, and I love I love what you mentioned about trust. I think that a lot of times maybe you know senior leaders maybe just don't have just don't let people go for those those ideas or those options and chase them and have faith in yourself and back your ideas and also have faith in your people that they're going to listen and be receptive to something new because, you know, this is a moment of change and maybe it's time for us to try something new if the old ways aren't working. Yes. 
Um, so I actually am quite curious, obviously, when we talk about the future and you're in an industry now where there's you know, a time of great change, as, as Sergio was touching on earlier, and we often talk about the challenges that are coming or the way that the industry is evolving. But just out of curiosity, is there anything, what are the opportunities in your view in your industry or the things that you are excited about in the future? I think it's fantastic that customers have so much more choice and control at, at this mm. point in time. So customers aren't passive anymore. They they are actively designing the future with us. Mm. That is a mm. fantastic opportunity and we'll only get a better better outcomes because of that. Um, I think the opportunity in having all the all the power and the electricity that you need to create really good quality of life and mm. economy and and just grow the future, but doing that in a sustainable way, that is a fantastic part of the future. Um, and, and making that available to people across the world, um, as you might be able to hear from my accent, I'm originally from South Africa. And Sergio, I don't know, you've worked in a few poorer countries as well. Just if you've worked or lived in a place where electricity wasn't just a given 24-7 and um, – you know, people still have to study, people still have to get up early, they still need to go to work, but they don't have all the facilities and the quality of life that that we've got here in Australia, which is absolutely fantastic. You actually see the value in electricity and, and in what that does in terms of how it opens up the possibility for what the world can become. And being able to do that in a sustainable way is magic. I can completely relate to everything that you said. In fact, it was an energy crisis that ignited my interest for foresight. Uh, and that was back in 2002. Brazil was going through this major energy crisis. And for a whole year, as soon as the sun went down, you know, the grid wouldn't turn off. So streets were dark. Everything was dark. I lived in a really nice area, safe, you know, pretty decent. But one of those evenings, I was walking back from a university home, you know, not with no, no jewelry, no watches, nothing, a backpack, a, you know, baseball cap, a T-shirt and nothing, you know, all of that looking, looking perfectly normal. And, but because, of, because of, of streets being dark, two guys on a motorcycle crossed my way. One, one of them came down from the bike and hit me with a gun on my head just because of darkness. So I can totally relate to, to uh, uh, you know, not taking energy for granted. And I can see the difference that it makes in people's lives, life or death. Yes. <laughs> but it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's really inspiring and it's uh, uh, very reassuring to have someone like yourself at such a senior role at, you know, a, a pretty important uh, energy organization to share uh, affirmations about a more sustainable future. What uh, one of the things that we also discussed with Mark Johnson was uh, if uh, the SDGs, the sustainable development goals are, you know, this true expression of uh, a vision for the planet. And he agreed with that. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's great to hear that you're actually using some of those goals to guide your strategy and to guide the business into a more desirable future. And on that note, thank you so much for being with us. I really enjoyed this conversation and I'm sure that Jazz would have the same, the same feelings towards that. Absolutely. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. It's been fantastic to be involved in this. And um, the broader podcast is a, is a great piece of work that you guys are doing. Beautycast is the Marketing Mag podcast series brought to you by Content Brains and presented by Marketing Mag. 
Futurecast is produced by Joanne Davies, Head of Content Brains and Publisher of Marketing Mag. And Jazz Giuliani, Editor of Content Brains and Marketing Mag. Our executive producer is Sergio Brodsky with original music and audio production by Sam Boone. If you want further details on our podcast or our guests, please visit the episode notes in this podcast. Remember to subscribe to Futurecast so you never miss an episode.